The following is Dave's full conversation with Dr. Amy Noel Parks from our first episode. It focuses on play in elementary math classrooms. Welcome, I'm Dave. I'm John. And this is Teaching Like Ted Lasso. Dr. Amy Noel Parks is a professor in the Department of Teacher Education at Michigan State University. A couple of her current projects include investigations of the role of play in mathematical learning and connections between emotional relationships and content learning in primary classrooms. This discussion was recorded over Zoom. So, so hi, Amy. Uh, welcome to uh, Teaching Like Ted Lasso. Um, we are extremely excited for you to be in our first episode, which is focusing on play because you quite literally wrote the book on play, <laughs> uh, exploring mathematics through play in early childhood classroom. So, so welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah. So what, have you watched Ted Lasso? I have. Um, I watched the first season all the way through and much of the second season. All right. Any, any impressions, any thoughts? I mean, I, 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 I don't, I am not a sports person. I don't really like, I mean, I don't have anything against soccer, but I, it's just not me. Um, but I, my, so my husband started watching it and I definitely got like sucked into the show um, just because the characters are so wonderful um, and there's so much light in the show, which I really love. Yeah, I think the same can be said for my spouse, Kathy. She, you know, she was sucked in by the relationships and, 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 the, and the positive nature of it, um, not necessarily the sports contact. And, and what's nice is that that seems to be sort of in the background. But, but it does relate to, like I said, this idea of, of play. And because we're focusing this episode on play, we thought it would, um, we'd begin with a playful question from the show. Would you rather be a panda or a lion and why? Um, so like all of my instinct says panda because I'm a much, I think, more panda-like person in general. But um, really, if I had the choice, I think I'd rather be a lion. Um, you know, they're um, out there actively engaging in the world and um, I think more social creatures. Um, so it seems like more appealing as a lifestyle than um, sitting in the corner eating bamboo, although that might be a more accurate portrayal. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, I'd, I would also go with lion. Um, I don't have as, as good a reason as you. It, it's mostly from my childhood. I, lo I watched, um, oh, um, uh, what was uh, the, the, uh, the show? It was, um, I knew I was going to forget it. This is <laughs> one of the senior moments. Um, Elsa the lion. Born Free. So oh. I watched Born Free over and over and over again when I was a kid. And so, so that would be my, my, uh, my choice. So, so um, what, if you were going to try to explain to somebody, what is play? What would, how would you describe it? What is play? Yeah, it's funny you say that um, after the panda lion question, because um, there are researchers who study play um, across mammals. So play is not just something that human beings do. It's something that at least most mammals do. I don't know about other animals. Um, so when lions are little, um, they play fight um, and they're like learning to do this thing they will later do as adults. So like play is 
it's stress-free, it's not instrumental, it's done for pleasure, um, but it is also um, in like an approximation often of um, something that will be done in a more serious way at another time. Nice, yeah. So, so what what does play look like in in classrooms then? I mean, is it that that's, I mean, is it that same thing going on or? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You know, um, certainly like when little kids are engaged in pretend play, you're seeing a lot of that, like trying out of um, social roles that they'll be doing later. But it's also the same, you know, with puzzles and games, which are about problem solving that will happen later. Um, or like artistic play um, is like developing the sense of aesthetic that um, people will carry through their lives. And I think play in classrooms can sort of range from like relatively free, like probably not big physical play, but other than that, like lots of choices, lots of movement to um, what I would think of as like a playful lesson where it may not look like what we think of as play, but it's um, carrying these characteristics of play. So uh, choice, social engagement, interesting materials, um, creativity. Um, and that may show up um, in something that looks more like traditional teaching. So, so one of the things you talk about in um, the book and that we talked about in our first sec section is this tension between play and seriousness, right? And the education mm -hmm. is often thought about as being serious business, right? The, the, the role of learning. And, and you talk about this misconception. Do you want to, can you speak a little bit more to that? What you're seeing in terms of as teachers wrestling with what should I do? Should I play or should I, you know, do this more traditional thing about math teaching or teaching in, in the class? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question. Um, and I think it's complicated because like play can be really serious for kids, right? Like if, like as an adult, you've ever played with like a preschooler or a toddler, and you know, if you violate the rules of the game, like whether it is an official game or a pretend play game, like children get mad um, in a serious way because you are not playing right. Um, so I think that like seriousness is something that can come to play. Um, it's, I think in traditional schools, like I'm not sure that seriousness is the opposite of play. I think that like, it's, like disengagement and boredom is maybe closer to the opposite of play. Right. Um, and so like when we see kids who are disengaged in school and we see that a lot, um, often it is because there is not enough um, play in the space. Um, and I would think of that as there's not enough room for kids in the space. Like we have tried to put them into um, this like maybe adult design space for our adult goals, like maybe not even something that adults would enjoy, but still like something designed by adults for what we're trying to get done um, without an acknowledgement of who they are and where they are. Because if there's space for children, there will naturally be play in that space. Yeah, that's interesting. I think about this has been, it was a powerful part of the book for me when I first read it. It was this idea of how often we use manipulatives or contexts that make sense to the adults, but not necessarily to the kids, right? That they, yes. yeah. So, um, so, so when you particularly think about this idea of teaching and learning math, where are there more specifics about what play looks like in 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 that setting? 
Yeah, I think so. I mean, so one thing I've been really excited about lately, um, so this isn't in the book because it's really just come up for me, as uh, this idea of soft starts, which I'm starting to see in a lot of classrooms across elementary schools. Um, so this is like teachers who, instead of doing like a worksheet first thing in the morning, are putting out like toys and puzzles and math materials and letting kids like play with them as soon as they come in um, as, you know, everyone is going through their morning routine. And so like, I think this is a really specific strategy that lets kids, um, one, play, come into the day softly, have some conversations with friends, like it's a really pleasurable start to the day. But also as a teacher, like you get to see that like geometric thinking and exploration. Um, and then you can draw on that like later in your teaching. So I think even if you're teaching an upper L, there is this space for free play in your day, either like first thing in the morning or after recess or whenever it works out. Um, and then like I think the other thing like I try and think about when I'm working with teachers around play is sort of simple questions of how can you take a math lesson in your curriculum and make it more playful and for me that means asking like how can I create some choice in this lesson so it could be choice of who to work with choice of where to work choice of final product choice of material that's going to make something more playful. Um, how can I increase social engagement? How can I make the physical materials of the lesson more engaging for kids? Um, so I don't think it has to be this bright line between play and not play, but we can use these really particular criteria to shift um, our teaching toward being more playful. Mm -hmm. So, and I appreciated in that, Amy, that you you were talking about it sort of more broadly, right? Not just mathematics, right? Uh, that this this role, I mean, I, I know that's kind of wh where you're focused, but you were talking about play in lots of different ways, right? Those soft starts are an interesting way to think about that. And you could connect it to mathematics, but, but our... Um, our audience isn't just math teachers, right? Not yeah, no, I'm just, I was um, watching kids playing with Legos, which yes, as a researcher, I often think about from a math perspective, but like when I was an elementary school teacher, I taught everything, like that's what we do. Um, and as the kids are building with Legos, like they're telling these stories, this is a castle, it's on an island, they're going to invade it. And like all of that is like opening up this space that could later be capitalized on in writing, right? Um, so yeah, absolutely. Um, play is important for mathematics, but it's important across the content areas. And, and so how do you feel that um, you talked about, we've, I mean, we've kind of been focusing on early elementary and you said upper elementary, what about other grade levels, middle school, high school, college, is, is play appropriate in those settings as well? Um, I mean, I try to stay in my lane out of um, a <laughs> real wish that others would stay in their lanes. Um, so like, I, I don't, I don't think I want to make a lot of claims about what middle school or high school would look like, except to say that um, like psychologists who research play would say play is not something that's isolated in childhood. It's located across um, the lifespan. Um, there are people, you know, talking about the importance of adult play and what we lose when we don't play as adults. So um, it would make sense to me that play would be incorporated in some ways middle school, high school, college, and certainly um, I do play activity. I just, yesterday I had my college students um, building with blocks, um, but but I'm not the right person to talk to about what that would look like. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So it's interesting. You were talking about Legos and, and I was actually, uh, have been researching uh, to some extent more looking into, I guess, uh, but considering doing some research 
around Lego serious play. I don't know if you've heard heard this term before, but mm -hmm. but it's a whole thing where um, business in particular are using Legos as a way to uh, help foster creativity and collaboration mm -hmm. and it's about using legos like you said to build vision and then tell stories and yeah so, that, that's great i love that yeah and so i've been trying to do that in my class classes around i used to give them a simile survey so doing math is like teaching math is like learning math is like and i give them some some prompts or some pictures but this year i had them actually build their their simile yeah. and share it in their group and then, i love that yeah and it's uh, it's built around there there's a book called lego serious play and it's built around sort of this, okay, you answer a question, you reflect on your, your answer, you share your answer, and then you combine your answer with others. So, so I've got my teaching teams working together because they're gonna be teaching uh, in an elementary classroom and another one in a middle school classroom. And so they're, they're thinking about how do their um, visions uh, connect in terms of these these three questions so and it's pretty cool I mean they, they talk about I said all I'm doing is reading at this point when I say research but I'd like to do more because they've Lego series play people talk about it from a standpoint of um, you know this goes back to our earliest way of communicating through gesture and building right mm -hmm. and it levels the playing field that because everybody you know is is building their vision and has has a chance to share their stories so yeah yeah so so far if nothing else in my classroom there's been lots of laughter lots of people taking pictures and sending it to other i mean lots of behavior that you would not expect in a in a math classroom yeah yeah i in doing this work on play but also on joy um I am like struck by how often like I hear people like laughing and like see their bodies leaning together across tables and um, you get this feel immediately um, that people are like engaged in the work. And I think like this is like a sense I take when I walk into classrooms, right? Like the first thing I do is take an emotional temperature of the room. Mm -hmm. And even before I have a sense of the pedagogy, I have a pretty good idea of how kids are doing in that space. So um, so you were involved in the Michigan Early Math Essentials, full disclosure, so was I, you and I <laughs> went together. Um, and the very first uh, essential is design learning environments to encourage mathematical play and tinkering. So what concrete strategies are being suggested for teachers to be able to, to um, apply that essential in their classrooms? Yeah, um, so I think, First, I guess I would say um, the con the concrete things are relatively broad because like we want people thinking about their own context and what makes sense to them. Um, but a lot of it is about having materials available to kids that they can access and play with and that they feel are playful. Um, it's about um, creating classrooms where kids have control over their bodies. Um, so they're able to move in ways that are comfortable for them and sit in spaces that are comfortable for them. Um, it's about um, 
posing problems um, that require kids to be playful and creative in finding solutions and creating space for kids to engage with each other. Um, we certainly can have solo play, but lots of kids like to play with others. So we want spaces where um, they can do that. And I know there'll be re resources available for um, teachers who are looking to work on these essentials. Um, yes. Um, so we have filmed um, in four schools across Michigan, um, and those videos are coming online and being available. There are some great ones showing play um, all the way from pre-K to third grade. Um, and then there will be um, what we're right now calling online modules for each essential, which will go into a little more depth. Um, so they certainly will have the videos, but they'll also have um, we've been interviewing math education experts from all over the country and videotaping them. So they'll have those, they'll have um, activities um, that people can do like to engage with the ideas. Um, and I think those will largely be available like through ISDs um, will be coming into schools with them. So so the, those are those are things that are coming. We're, we're yes. just kind of getting started with that. Correct. So, so are there other resources that people ought to look into um, if they're interested in this idea of, of play in education? Um, yeah, uh, so well, first of all, I'd say there's a lot, like you said, I wrote the book on play, but there's really dozens of books on play out there. So I think if you went in um, online and just look for things, you might find something that was appealing to you. Um, also, I would say um, there are a lot of districts in Michigan right now using the Bridges curriculum, and I would say it's unusually good at um, promoting play in mathematics um, in ways that really, I think, make sense for teachers, make sense for kids, are mathematically sound. Um, so if you're in a position where you have some say about what your curriculum is, I would recommend checking that one out. Um, and then I might also suggest um, just doing some exploration in your room and in your school. Like often over time, we build up all of these materials and they kind of get pushed to the side as we do different PD or think about other things. Um, but there are probably lots of opportunities for play, like somewhere that you already have and just um, finding this. I mean, I, I really am drawn to this idea of soft starts because it feels like such a like low entry point, like to just say, okay, I'm just going to take 15 minutes, I'm going to put out five materials and let kids choose and do this and um, maybe just sort of see where that takes you. That's great. Thanks, Amy. Thank you so much for um, all you've uh, you've shared with us. Uh, I'm sure, I mean, I've, it's already got me thinking and I'm sure it'll do the same for, for our audience. And we appreciate you and um, look forward to seeing more coming from you, especially around those uh, uh, essentials. So thank you. There will be more. <laughs> thank you. A special thanks to Joshua Davis for letting us use his music at the beginning and ending of this episode.